This is the limitless Keith Lee. This is Brody King. This is Angel Garza. Will Ospreay. Hornswoggle. Pentagon Junior. The villain, Marty Scow. The Mexican Ray Phoenix. King Ricochet. Concrete Rose, Sunny Kiss. And I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the busted wide open. 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 Busted wide open podcast. <laughs> You're listening to the Busted Wide Open podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome everybody to BWO Live, our patron mailbag series, episode number 44. My name is Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. And yes, we are here to answer the questions that you provide us with. Uh, the the mailbag is what we call the show, and the mailbag is what we're here to talk about. Of course, that mailbag comes from our patrons, our lovely, wonderful patrons, and we thank each and every one of you for your contribution to the show. Thank you very much. If you'd like to become a patron, just head over to patreon.com forward slash BWO, sign up for one of our lovely tiers, and then you too can ask questions to be answered on this here very show. That's how it works. And it works very well, and we have a lot of fun doing it, Nick, and I'm looking forward to seeing what we have today, uh, which uh, thank you everyone who got them in because you know, we know we put up the post late, and we apologize for that. No, but don't say we. That's my fail. Awesome. That's my fail. I own that Just one. trying to take a little bit of heat off you yeah, on that I, one, Nick. I, I appreciate that, but uh, yeah. Take the heat. I, it was one of those things where you type up the post, and you get distracted, and you don't actually hit publish or submit. <laughs> it was one of those situations. So my apologies. Thank you, Kyle, for the gentle nudge. But suffice it to say, if you do want to ask questions, normally we get the, the <laughs> we get the post up earlier, and even if not, you can always, Nick, we'll get it up in, at some point, and you can ask questions on this here show. Yes. And uh, yeah, and it's a lot of fun for everyone involved. So thank you very much for everyone who's contributing today. Nick, what do we have for us today? Well, we have lots of questions, but first I want to make sure everybody gets into the Discord. Come over and join us for live chats all throughout the week. BWOPodcast.com has all of these links. Uh, you can find everything over there. Uh, get into the Facebook group. Follow our social medias at BWOPodcast. Uh, and yes, thank you to all of our patrons. Also, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, you can find links to all of these with some commands that are down in the title, down down, down yonder mm-hmm. ways. Uh, just do exclamation YouTube, exclamation Discord. You can get direct links to them over there. Uh, for those of you listening on audio, you probably know where to find these at this point. Just look on our social medias or ask somebody in one of the groups, and they will get you a link. Ah, let's kick things off with Will James starting us mm-hmm. off today. Not a question. But just wanted to let you all know that in the latest New Day pod, they said they get their pancakes early in the day, frozen, and let them thaw until the show. I know we had speculated previously, so I guess Mr. Bootyworth has let us all down. Man, the magic is gone. <laughs> Thank you both. The magic is gone. Keep now. up the great work on Twitch. Thank you, Will. Thank you. Really, Thank really you very much, it. Will. Appreciate that. That actually, it's interesting because that does actually explain. A lot of things I had questions about. I didn't think they were making their pancakes fresh every time backstage. That wouldn't make sense, especially for the the consistency of the shape of the pancakes. They're all the same exact size, yeah. uh, nearly all the same 
consistency in terms of color. So there's no way they were making that many pancakes and doing it that well every single time. In addition to everything else that a wrestler has to do once they get to, once they make a town, they're going to make pancakes as well. No, it makes much more sense for them to just buy it in bulk. Yeah. And then just, like, like you said, have them thaw, them thaw out. and then they can frisbee them out to the audience as much as they want. Yeah. So that makes, that makes a ton of sense. But next time we finally all get back to WWE shows, if there's ever a chance that they're going to be throwing pancakes again, which who knows at this point if we'll ever get New Day pancake frisbees back again, just remember, that's where those pancakes came from. So, yeah, take that into We'll also follow up in chat by saying a bunch of marks in the crowd eating frozen pancakes. Yeah. But so isn't Big E. They're eating. He's eating. He's pulling them out of his pants and eating them. I was gonna say like out of his <laughs> singlet. How that's, a, that's how they thaw them. They just put them down Big E's crotch, and then next thing you know, you have warm pancakes. They don't wash those so. singlets every every time either. That's the, like there's gear. And you don't know where those pancakes have been. Like you don't know where that singlet's been. If people didn't already know that those pancakes were questionable, <laughs> you know, like. That, that to me, this seems like if I were to catch one of those pancakes, I would automatically assume that I did not know the journey of that pancake from wherever it began to my hand, yeah. and that if I put it in my mouth, I was taking chances. Yes, right. The, you just have to know. Right, right. You just have to know that. And then some people just don't care. Some people are like, you know what? I don't care where this pancake has been. I'm at a WWE show. I'm having a good time. Yeah. I'm gonna eat this damn pancake. I'm, I'm three, four beers what? in at this point. I'm not. Sure. I'm not gonna care. I've got the mom hungry. Or if you're, you know, right? If somebody if just Nick, threw pancakes three, at me. I'm gonna eat three them. or four pitchers in. If you're Nick, yes, right, but right. yeah, <laughs> right. Nick will eat a pancake I, if he's at your show. At that point, I probably would have. Yes, you'd, I mean, he, he would actually. You'd need the carbs, yeah, just to stay alive. Right. Right. And so there you go. Thank you very much, Willie. Also says thank you both and keep up the great work on Twitch. I really appreciate that. Thank uh, you. It's been a fun. I week. only eat pancakes with bacon and, and syrup. Yes. Uh, I like Kidding. I like fried Kidding. eggs with Dry. mine too. That might be heresy, but that too. No, no, fried dip eggs. Absolutely. Dipping the that's, pancake into not... fried egg yolk. There's that's next yeah. level with right syrup, there. Syrup with some syrup. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Fuck, now I'm hungry. Uh, thank you very much, Will. Next up, Jess O'Connor asks, "Hey guys, won't make the live stream this time, so I'll keep my question simple today. Who is your all-time favorite tag team to date? Stay Ooh. awesome. Who you got, Sir Ian Dangerous?" Out, ah, uh, Jesus. Um, that's really hard. That's really hard. I break there this so down into British Bulldogs were my favorites as a kid. Workers and in-ring talent versus who did I pop for the most? I'm going for pops. I'm going for who did I pop Insane. for? I'm not, I'm not. This is favorite. This isn't who's the best. This is my favorite. New Age Outlaws. I knew you were going to say that. Um, I actually probably would say Edge and Christian, conversely, yeah. and which shows our age. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm also a big fan. I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Gorill- uh, Gorillas of Destiny right now. I love them. Yeah, that's oh, uh, yeah, definitely but, really a good one. But I'm gonna say, yeah. Overall, I've got to say Edge and Christian. The man, but as a kid, all about the British Bulldogs. Mm. All about British Bulldogs. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, they listen. They weren't the best in the ring, but every single time we used to, and I, I think I've told Ian this, but I'll share it with you guys. We used to have parties uh, for uh, in our townhouse that we had. Three of us were living there. This was in the late nineties, ninety eight, ninety nine, and we would have the entire like all the wrestling fans in the complex come over, 
and everybody in that town there were 20 to 30 people in there every week and would just sing and would just chant the entire dx entrance and road dogs entire spiel and we would all crotch chop and just do all that stuff it used to be my answering machine message back when that was a thing <laughs> Actually, I have an answer machine. Yo ass better call somebody. <laughs> oh, wait, but you called me, so you should leave a message. Yeah, that was pretty much the answering machine message. Yeah. Was. Yeah. Mine was leave a message. <laughs> uh, soul of brevity. Yes. Soul of brevity, soul of wit. That's yes. you, Mr. Howell. Thank you very much, Jess. We'd love to hear what Thank yours you, is Jess. As, as well when you yeah. get a chance. Uh, let us know. Uh, next up, Edward asks, Hey, guys, Nick, I hope all is well in the aftermath of the weather you guys had in North Carolina. And, Ian, mm. I hope that California quarantine life is treating you well. Uh, <laughs> it's something. Yeah, it, it's, it's something. Uh, I'm only going we basically a had insane. a rainstorm. The coast took the worst of it. So nothing much inland really here other than a bunch of rain. So Yeah. But thank and you. my quarantine life's about to get a lot more interesting now that the six hundred bucks a week is gone. So we'll see. Yeah. This could. Uh, oh, you're gonna. Y'all gonna watch me start losing weight little by little here on the show. Yep. As my my diet goes from from uh, from sandwiches to pizza to ramen. Yes. <laughs> and ultimately peanuts. Uh, his question is this: If you guys had to cosplay a wrestling couple with your significant other, which couple would you choose and why? Mm. Probably Miz and Maurice. Yeah, because you have that Miz look going on there. Well, I'm, I'm thinking about her more <laughs> than me, frankly. It'd be more, <laughs> it'd be more like Ivar and Maurice. If I you showed you a picture of me previously before I had the beard and the long hair, it, it would be more believable. Because I had the same kind of spiky gelled thing going on. Uh... I'm going to have to say Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. I see, you know? I see that. Crazy wild man. No stopping. No way out. Only one way. Oh, yeah. And then a nice classy dame at my side. Yeah. Classy, upstanding yes. sweetheart at my side. Uh, yeah, that's got to be mine. Also, just because Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth, uh, that wedding. I mean, the, the <sighs> wedding and then the, then the breakup and then the getting back together. As Macho retires, I mean that's one of the greatest love stories in wrestling of all time. Yeah. So naturally, I'd have to, I'd want to be like the greatest love story of all time. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest love I've ever known. Wait, that's that's Mike Bennett. That's uh, Canellis. Mike uh, Canellis. Yeah, and Maria uh, Canellis. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, you know what? This got off the rails. We might also do a pretty decent Braun Strowman and Alexa Bliss. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, you guys would do a pretty good Braun Strowman Electra Alexa Bliss. Not gonna lie. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna lie. Yeah. 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 <sighs> I could also I could also do a little bit of uh, uh, Edge and Lita, but that's a there's a lot of implications with that that I'm not gonna I don't want to go for. No. So no. no. So just nah. Yeah. I'll stick with Macho and Elizabeth. I, I like that one. I'll stick with Macho and Elizabeth. Uh, yeah. Thank you very much, Edward. Uh, next up, Adon. I think it's Adon. Adon Ortega. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Uh, <laughs> They're saying in chat you should be Otis and Mandy, and I say, I say to that. You know what? <laughs> I, Nick does love a good uh, honey baked ham. There is a Halloween coming up in a few months. Oh yeah. Mm, just saying. Tucky. Yep. Not saying. Just saying. <laughs> I'll be Tucky. I don't care. Oh, I'll put on a wig. My peach. <laughs> what? Don't do that again. 
Uh, thank you very much. Next up, Don Ortega says, Hey, guys, I'm new here, and I didn't really have a question or anything, but I wanted to say I love the podcast, and I'm really enjoying the catalog of bonus content on the Patreon. Keep up the great work, and I hope you guys are doing well. Welcome aboard, Thank Adon. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much uh, is it Aiden or Aiden or Adon? Uh, yeah, let me know if it, is it Aiden or Adon. So let me, that's that's one way. I don't. I'm not sure. So <laughs> I'm, I'm going well, with Adon until uh, I'm told differently. Further notice. Yep. Okay. Well, welcome to the show, and thank you for the kind words. Thank you for uh, for being a patron awesome. as well. Looking forward to your awesome. picks for SummerSlam. Yes. Make sure you uh, you do your prep work there. Um, go back and check out. We've got some of the other ones in the Facebook group. You can find like the old threads and things like that. Uh, do some research, look into that, and we'll be explaining all of it by the time we get there. Uh, if you haven't seen those before. Uh, but welcome aboard. Next up, usually last, I guess because I put it up so late, appearing yeah, in the middle him, here, Marshall. <laughs> he screwed him up. Even says, in the, he says, stealing my heat and being last minute. <laughs> For that, you're going to go one-on-one with Undertaker. <laughs> yep, that's what you get, Nick. Holla, 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 holla. Listening to Arn and Tully on Jericho's podcast, talking about the road life and the crazy stories that came with it. Through your ventures in life and your careers, what are some wild road stories you can share? Thanks for uh, all you do, and let's hope no one comes into the danger cave with chainsaws and baseball bats. I mean, the 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 <laughs> the operating uh, statement there is that we can share. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I've got a few I can. Um, <laughs> statute of limitations and all that. Um, <laughs> Do you have a good road story at the top of your head there? I got held at customs in Amsterdam for four hours once because of a batter. Is that a good road story? It's not really. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's okay. you know, it was because of a battery that they thought was something more nefarious than it really. It's, it was like a spare laptop battery, but they thought it was some kind of like instrument of death. So they had to examine it, and they had to get it sent off and checked and all this kind of... Meanwhile, I'm sitting in a holding cell, basically, a a glass room, just twiddling my thumbs, missing all my meetings, missing my flights. It was a lot of fun. Uh, I did get to spend the night in Amsterdam, though, which has its perks. We'll leave it at that. I imagine. I imagine more so then than now, but yes. Yeah, yeah. this was probably uh, (laughs) late 2000s, 2008, 2009. Um, yeah, mostly it's just boring. I don't really have a lot of fun <laughs> stories. Oh, here's one. Uh, I got pickpocketed in Barcelona, Spain by two, um, we'll call them ladies of the night. <laughs> what were you doing hanging around ladies of the night I was in Barcelona, not, Spain? Uh, so Sorry, anywhere Barcelona, like Barcelona. Southern Europe like that is very, it's very big on pickpocketing and petty crime no. and stuff like that. Sure. So uh, a lot of it has to do with the influx of the sex trade from Northern Africa and things like that, unfortunately. Um, but the, come to find out through my discoveries. But coming out mm-hmm. of a, a club, uh, a party with a couple of friends at 3 in the morning, trying to get into the taxi line, and all of a sudden you get two arms over your shoulders, one on each side, and go, ooh, baby, ooh, baby, you want fun time, you want party? And all of a sudden you feel that feeling of something mm. sort of sliding out of your back pocket. And this was especially interesting because I was wearing some designer jeans that had like the snaps on the back pockets, the little flaps with the snaps, and you feel that that little pop that you can feel. And I I did one of those like you're swatting a fly away, like sweeping arm things, and unfortunately caught her right on the chin 
and oh! she goes down. Oh! So cops, Wait, so, uh, sorry, so cops so the come here. running over, thinking oh, that I've on. just assaulted someone. <laughs> and I, it took about 10 minutes to explain. Luckily, I spoke enough Spanish Wait. to explain that they were, she was, I pointed at my wallet on the ground, and they went, oh, yeah, yeah and they, she went running off down the beach. So the story here isn't Nick almost gets pickpocketed in Barcelona. The story here is Nick hits prostitute in Barcelona. <laughs> Nick beat up a prostitute in Barcelona. Put that one in the discussion group. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> There's a good one Man, for we you, can't, Marshall. we can't let you out of the house. Right. You're out there beating up prostitutes and stuff. This yep. is crazy. There's a blog post out there if you guys want to look for it. If you want to read the whole... <laughs> Shebang. About the time I hit a prostitute in the face in Barcelona yeah. by Nick Howell. Um, on the flip side, of, got, on, and got away with it. Not to take all the excitement away from <sighs> it, but it was one of the. It was very weird. As a Southern gentleman, we just were just you don't hit girls like you, you. And it really messed me up. Like I was up all night on the phone with my friend. Just it really messed me up that I had, had done that, not intentionally either. Right, it was. And it was one of those things where I I was really upset about it, and just all the circumstances it aside, like, it was. It wasn't like you killed a hooker and had to cut up her body into right. little pieces in a bag and like take her out on the on the ocean next to Barcelona and dump her in the ocean and hope that or, the, the sharks eat her before the cops can find or her. Or the Chattahoochee. It wasn't like that. Well, that's right. You, she's not floating down the Chattahoochee. <laughs> I didn't hit her with a brick and throw her in the Chattahoochee you River. You didn't, dis- you didn't disappear her exactly. Right. You just clipped her. Yeah. You're fine. She's not floating down the Chattahoochee. But it was just one of those split seconds, hey, just kind of things where you just throw, you you just reflex. And unfortunately, <laughs> and you things the connected. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So that, that is, that's probably my, it's, it's, I was very broken up about it. Uh, luckily, oh. I got my wallet back. There are stories I that of not that happened to me, but of oh. people getting roofied. Basically, big when big tech companies do these trade shows around the world in these big city centers, like Barcelona, for example, there are stories of guys getting roofied and waking up, and all of their technology is gone, their laptops sure. and phones and everything, uh, their credit cards and wallets and everything gone. And there you are without a passport or any form of money <laughs> in Barcelona. <laughs> Trying to explain to a foreign government how you are American and need to get back home. And you end up at the embassy or the consulate trying to get a copy of your passport or some way to get back home. So it's it changed my practices right. uh, when I'm traveling, you could say, to always keep my passport and a, at least a debit or credit card of some sort in the safe. So that if any- I would think that the criminal underground would have learned its lesson and Nick will hit a bitch on this. On <laughs> okay. The, you come okay. in. Come on. Nick does not. <laughs> Is Nick Howell gonna have to kill him? Oh, <laughs> you go for my wallet. That's right. Yeah. God. <laughs> I'm sorry. This. Oh. Uh, there you go, uh, Marshall. There's a good story for you. That's a that is a road story. <laughs> my goodness. Nick hitting a prostitute in Barcelona. Never living it down. Um, I'm just going to pick a fairly innocuous one um, just because I don't <laughs> there's some there's some things I definitely can't tell as far as stories but I'll tell I'll tell one about the time I was on tour with the band and we all almost died. Oh boy. Because someone because someone farted. <gasps> um, yeah. So 
if you've ever driven in California, you get to Northern California and there's an area called Shasta Lake. It's up near Redding. And you go over this long bridge and then there's like a really kind of sharp turn and a bunch of windy roads after that. And it's the middle of a freeway. So you're probably doing 80 up to this point. And all of a sudden the road gets really twisty. And we're driving in the tour van for my band, House of Rabbits. And uh, this van was this janky old thing where the steering wheel was basically kind of like what you would have on a boat where it, you could just spin it a bunch of times before the wheels start turning. So very, very loose ride. I'll put it that way. Um, and we were doing pretty fast in this thing. And now I need to set this up by saying that my lead singer eats some weird stuff. Okay. The man, the man consumes some odd food. And he had been eating pickled quail eggs since the day before. He had a packet of pickled quail eggs about the size of his head. And he was most of the way through this by this time. And we're crossing this bridge near, uh, like going over uh, Shasta Lake. And my lead singer starts pulling, he starts rolling up the windows in the van. And no one's paying attention. There's some, some guys, you know, one of us listening to the headphones, uh, guy in the, the co, the, my co-pilot's on his phone to his girlfriend or whatever. So we don't know, we don't notice it's happening. I kind of like notice it. I'm driving and I kind of notice it's happening, but I don't really pay much attention to it. And then it hits me. And my lead singer, on a good day, has a pretty rank ass. <laughs> but I, I, will, I swear to God, to the day I die, that what he unleashed from his butthole at that moment was the single worst anal excretion smell I have ever smelled in my life. It was the worst thing I've ever smelled coming out of a human body. And I've been around corpses. It was absolutely awful. It was so bad, I could have sworn the windows were steaming up. We had people screaming in the van, jumping for the windows, and he had snuck up and locked, because it was a Goonie system, he had locked the windows. <laughs> and so I'm like desperately trying to roll down my window. My eyes are watering. My eyes are literally watering from this thing. I've got tears streaming down my face, not only because it's so horrible, but I'm laughing. It's a fart. We're guys. Yeah. We're laughing like, oh, dear God, what have you done? So I've, my vision is blurry, and we're coming up on this windy road. And I'm trying to roll down my window and drive this boat of a van as we're barreling down towards this hairpin turn. And we take this turn and go up on two wheels. We're all screaming. I can't see. I can't breathe. I'm sticking my head out the window like a dog trying to get fresh air and navigate these roads in this gigantic balloon Ace of a Ventura van. style. Yeah. I'm trying to I'm pumping the brakes, trying to get some control back of this van. Um, we very nearly died. That van almost went off the road. And for the rest of the trip, uh, we, we, we said if the lead singer farts, he gets punched. <laughs> just, just bam. Just if he if you need to fart, go away from us because if you do it near us, we're gonna punch yeah. you. Because we almost died because you laid the single grossest butt egg we've ever smelled ever across all time. So that's my road story. That that's a pretty damn good one. <laughs> speaking, <laughs> speaking of, of vans, I'll throw disgusting. one more quick one at you. We were at I went to the Merchant Marine Academy, a military academy, uh up in, in 95, 96. 
one of the things that we did there was we would there were a certain group of us that would get to go to these events in Manhattan for certain dignitaries and things like that and we would play the big fanfare trumpets just to announce that the you know there was a two-star general coming in the room or whatever it was fancy $5,000 a plate kind of things that you do in Manhattan from time to time um, and they can afford to to pay to have musicians come in and do that stuff so immediately meanwhile we're like 17 18 year old kids right so we're not old enough to be able to take partake of the festivities but what do they know we're in dress whites as far as they know we're officers in the military (laughs) right so open bar open food all of this stuff right so after we play our thing for about the length of 15 seconds and we turn around and march out of the room we're free and there's open bar there full liquor bar and everything so there were some wild nights that were had there the one memory was going home, and there was a, I believe his name was Evan, and he had a little bit too much. And if you remember those old vans, they had the pop-out windows, right? They didn't have windows you rolled down. The, the doors themselves had the little pop-out windows. So we're going 80 miles an hour down the freeway. Uh, our DD's driving us all back, and Evan needs to brr and can't get the window. So needs to what? He, release. Let go. Vomit. Regurgitate. Yes. <laughs> And we're like, don't do it in the van. <laughs> Just whatever you do. And he, right. he's like, I can't pull over right now. There's too much traffic. So Evan pops the window out on the van and puts his face like in between the little sudden. And all we Just see is like the spatter spirals. all down the windows, down the side yeah. of the van, doing 80 <laughs> miles an hour down the freeway. Uh, we had to uh, clean the van and do a lot of other stuff yeah. uh, for that. So thank you, Evan, yes. if you ever happen to hear I've, this for some reason. I've seen a 70-mile-per-hour side spew on a, on a vehicle. It's not fun. It's not a, not a, not a pretty You scene. telling the van you're, story made me think of that one. So You're you're picking like chunks of corn out of the sideline for, for like a while. The, 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 sides the, the body the lines where they're in there, yeah. it gets stuck in oh, there. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Marshall, that was a fun one. All right. Really well, good question. So we, Thanks so for joining the show, guys. I, I, won't, hey, yeah. I won't feel bad if this you uh, your, unsubscribe at this point. But If this is your first right. time listening to the Mailbag <laughs> Show. <laughs> good Lord. Uh, this is a wrestling podcast, I promise you. We're t- right. Thank you very much, Marshall. Uh, uh, and yes, I too hope that uh, no one comes into the danger cave with chainsaws and baseball bats. We have enough problems with Skype uh, as it is, as you guys wouldn't be the first time. have uh, witnessed. Uh, next wouldn't up, Martin. Martin is back. I, Martin, I, what's up, man? I won't disclose the details, but Martin got a very gracious gesture. Uh, if if the individual wishes to disclose that, uh, I will yeah, let them do that. Awesome. But so Marshall was the recipient cool. of a very cool, very gen, very generous yeah. gesture. I love our, uh, I love our listeners. Yeah. I love you guys. You guys are freaking amazing. You guys make Just, this worth that it. one blew me away every day. Yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, he says, hey, all things are getting a little better. Still looking for a place good. for me and my family to be together, but I am in a better place mentally. I hope you and all the phenomenal ones are good, too. Thank you, Marshall. Thank you, Mark. Very, very good to hear that, man. Awesome. That's fantastic. Uh, he says, fantastic. my question is, at, oh. at this year's King of the Ring, there's going to be a king and queen crowned. They're going to form mm. a heel faction. They're mm. also going to have personal bodyguards each. Who makes up your royal family? Hmm. Okay, so right off the bat, I'm going to have to say, uh, crowned this year, the men's king of the ring, now that he's having a singles career, will be Big E. Mm. And he will turn heel, and King E <laughs> will have the bodyguard Dolph Ziggler, just to, just to flip the script a little bit. Yeah. Um, on the women's side of things... Who will be his Sonya, queen? 
Sonia. It doesn't necessarily. Well, I guess Royal Family we're doing, right? Yeah. Traditional, uh, I guess you could say. I was going to say Sonia Deville. Um, That's interesting. Nikki, Nikki Cross goes insane and become, uh, goes back to crazy NXT Nikki and becomes her bodyguard. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. Yeah. Queen Sonia. And she's going to be like, the, like, she's like a Maleficent kind of queen, you know? Yeah. She's got the black outfits going on and yeah. I'm going to go for that. I'm going to go with King Otis Dozovich. Of course you are. Uh, and his lovely queen, <sighs> Mandy Rose. They're going to go evil? And his first lieutenant, Tucker. And court jester, Fondango. <laughs> what do you mean court jester? Fond, fond, uh, Breezango. I'm sorry, not Fondango. Breezango as the their personal bodyguards. Eat, I guess they each get personal bodyguards. So... Are they going to have like the goofy jester hat yes. with like the bell on the end? Yes. Oh my Absolutely. god! Absolutely evil. That's worse than what they were going to make the revival wear. You're you're worse than Vince. It makes more sense with Brizango. It doesn't. It makes them look just as foolish as it would anybody else who wears. You mean it. as foolish as they look now, coming out in their costumes, which they then take off and go wrestle normally. Right. Like they're they're moving away from it. It's my world. They're trying to get. A, they're trying to get. It's your this world. This is my world. I'm making it. It is what it is. Uh, I'm also going to hire a an equivalent to the Mountain, uh, which would be Braun Strowman. I'm going to have. Oh, you're my... making this like a Game of Thrones, oh, Cersei yeah. Lannister kind of. Thing. Oh, oh yeah. I see. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Going all the way out there. Yeah. You're getting creative with this. Yeah. <sighs> that would be my royal court. That's a. <laughs> that's a court. That is a court. Uh, who? But wait, who would be your like mastermind, dude? Because on the on Game of Thrones, they had the one guy who brought the Mountain back. What was his name? Um. Uh, oh, I'm forgetting the character's name. The one that Cersei, the sorcerer guy. He was kind of like, yeah, he was kind of like a sorcerer-ish, like a necromancer kind of thing, uh, but it was never like explicitly said that he was a necromancer. I'm trying to think of what the word is, like an alchemist or a... Um, yeah, 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 like a, like yeah, like an alchemist kind of thing. Right. Apothecary. Like who's your... Who's your <laughs> That's the word. Who's your Merlin? Who's your Merlin in your, in your king's court here? And why is your answer road dog? What? <laughs> oh, you didn't know? Yes, Will. Master Picel. Thank you. No. Was it Picel? It was Picel. Pi okay. Yeah, yeah. I think. I thought Picel right? was one of the. Oh, but no. Picel was the old guy. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It, was, it was the guy who ended up. Uh, he was by the end of the show. I think Picel was the beginning of the show. The old guy with the long beard. Yeah, I did too. Who ended up. Who ended up yeah, I'm not. I'm talking about at the end of the show. Cersei's guy that made the yeah. yeah Cersei's guy that made the the green. Yeah, Pycelle was stuff, the first guy. The green explodey stuff. It's Andy says it's got to be, be Gato. Gato's your Merlin. Oh, that's oh, quality. That's really good. That's really good. That's really good. <laughs> Gato is Merlin. <laughs> oh my god, that's good. Darkness Club number one. <laughs> the Darkness Club. <laughs> yes. I love that. Thank you very much, Martin. Glad to hear you're doing better, man. <laughs> Seriously, dude. So happy to hear that, man. Uh, and I hope things continue to get better. Yeah. Next up, Kyle asks, uh, with everything that has ah. come out from talent regarding details, how hamstrung the WWE main roster creative process is, and seemingly Vince even realizing this and having his frustrations with it, 
such as nuts. this week in his attempt to shake things up to let's be nice and say mixed results mm. as he attempted to turn the Titanic away from one iceberg. Why do you think it is that Vince, unwilling to commit to anyone, even people that years ago he would make them go or go all in to make them a star? It's as if the past decade with Daniel Bryan, Punk, Roman have him questioning himself to the point where we get constant DQ finishes where even something simple, they refuse to let anyone win a match to get over. Even with retribution, he couldn't get the courtesy of beating people down to get over like the Nexus template before it. We can be cynical and say Vince doesn't want any stars bigger than the brand, but I can't help but feel the issues are deeper than that, and I want to hear your thoughts. Do you think Vince has... A bit of an identity crisis going on right now, Ian. I it's what's funny is is I feel that Vince is one of those guys, and again, pure speculation on my part, but he's one of those guys who very rarely will look at something, take the blame, and work to fix himself. Um, it's something that's going to be external, right? So if something's not working, all it's going to take is one of Vince's ideas to fix it, right? Um, and I, uh, from what I understand from people who have come out of WWE, you very rarely, if ever, you never hear Vince say, "Well, I screwed that up." Yeah, you know that I. It's always someone else. Um, that being said, obviously, you know I. I think that with, you know, Kyle is talking here about the way that they had the DQ finishes and they're not building stars right now. That is actually something they've, they've done for years and years and years and decades. Um, where there seems to be this stop-start booking for most of the roster, and only like a handful of the big stars get to have meaningful wins and are booked super strong. Yeah. Right now, the only guy being booked like an absolute unstoppable machine is Drew McIntyre. Now that Brock is gone, like Drew is basically a face Brock. If you, but he just has way more matches, um, and longer matches because he can actually, you know, he wants to go out there and actually wrestle, not just be a suplex machine. Because Brock is now, he can wrestle. He can go out there and wrestle. He just doesn't want to. Sure. Um, but if you look at Vince's history, he tends to only book for a very small handful of people, the ones he's invested in. Um, the word right now is that he's invested in Bailey. He's a big fan of Bailey's right now. Um, he like he wants to start pushing Bianca Belair and possibly Peyton Royce. He's obviously uh, a fan of Drew, because we're put in the spot. Um, but it's really hard to get a, a read on where the rest of his mind is with the rest of his roster, because he won't let them rise to a level of a Drew McIntyre, because there can kind of be only one yeah. in his mindset. Um, and that's why maybe everyone feels just kind of less, because you don't have this huge roster of people that you are allowed to invest in in the same way. Now, Kyle is saying, like, is it because of what happened with Brian, Punk, and Roman? I don't think he quenches, questions himself about his booking of CM Punk. Um, and let's remember, CM Punk was booked either very strong or he was undercut at the worst possible time. Right. Um, it wasn't like Punk was the top of the world just because of WWE's booking, and it wasn't like he was broken back down solely because of WWE's booking. It was a lot of different factors. Uh, Daniel Bryan was an instance where WWE obviously liked him, but they didn't like him as much as the fans did. And they resisted as long as they could 
gave the fans their one moment, and then Daniel Bryan went back to the upper mid card, where they be plus player, which is where they believed he would be. And if you look at 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 a lot of the times that WWE kind of shows its hand a little bit, like with Daniel Bryan, like with Kofi Kingston, they'll say, "We'll give you a little bit," but ultimately, we're making these train tracks. Um, and I feel Vince is very certain. I don't think he's questioning himself. I think he's very certain about what he wants and what he likes, and he's going to get back to that. Think about the XFL. This man was determined to make that damn thing work. Anytime that he's screwed something up, he's determined to get back and fix it, make it work, right? Roman Reigns, I think, is an instance where he was going to goddamn make us like Roman Reigns, whether we like to or not. So I don't think that it's Vince being inconsistent. I don't think that he's being wishy-washy or not certain of himself. I think he's very certain of himself. Just sometimes he kind of bows to pressure from the fans. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the only, and I would say pressure from a corporate level as well. When you have things like ratings and investors and boards, and there's certainly pressures that are going to come in from there. But yeah. they have to know, being a part of that, that you're, you're dealing with Vince McMahon, one of the all-time and, tycoons yeah. of, of any industry. And the problem it, with the creative process he's frustrated with is he's not – he doesn't have time to do the kind of micromanaging on every single character that he does with his favorite characters. Right. So when that system falls apart, when the writers are coming in and saying, we've got this, this, and this, um, he's, he's, looking at, he's not looking at what he did with John Moxley with, the, with the, you know, the needle in the ass and it's such good shit, pal. He's not looking at that and saying, well, that was my screw-up and that was creative, that was not good, that we had to fix. When he's looking at creative, he's looking at other things that he didn't have anything to do with. When those things fall apart, he blames the writers. And, you know, I don't think he's looking at himself and saying, man, I really screwed up that Moxley stuff. Yeah. Even though I think pretty much everybody in the world who saw the John Moxley stuff, that Dean Ambrose stuff, uh, with that feud with Seth, I think pretty much everyone who saw that in the and one half of the people that were in it were saying that was Vince screwing that up and that was not a good angle and that was not good stuff. <laughs> you know, to counter him. Um, but Vince isn't going to, I don't think, looking at himself in the mirror and saying, wow, I've got to be really better about that stuff because that didn't turn out so well. You know, no, he's I have very to much assume, a do do something and move on to the next thing kind of guy. I don't see that's him also as true. questioning do, himself. He doesn't look back at stuff. Yeah. That's one thing that's been said. Jr. actually said that over and over. Vince does not look back and question stuff. He's only concerned with moving forward. He doesn't ever like stopping and thinking. Like uh, in the Undertaker documentary, where they make him say, "What did Undertaker do for your company?" He goes, "Nope, nope." Starts welling up. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to talk about it. Right? He he's not a guy who stops and thinks about history. And that can be a big problem. You don't learn from mistakes. Yeah. You, re- you end up recycling things that didn't work the first time either. Right. Roman Reigns. <clears throat> well, or you just keep, put, you keep at it. You keep doggedly just keep doing it until it happens. I think Roman could surprise works. us all, frankly. To, to a quick aside, I, he's posting, he looks jacked. If he came back yeah. and he was just a mean ass heel Samoan and just came and ran rough shot over everything. Not even heel. I mean, like, he's got so much sympathy, so much fan sympathy now. If he comes back as just like an absolute tank, I think people people are ready to love Roman now. Now that he's not the guy. Ditch the vest, ditch the shield music, ditch the big dog. D- just ditch all of that campy shit and come back as just this jack dude. Huh. Woo. 
But then, but isn't that then Vince proving us all wrong and himself right by saying, I was told you I was going to get Roman over eventually, right? His doggedness, his deliberate, like, I'm going to push this until it works and I'm not going to look back and, and question myself or anything that I've done. That's gotten him where he is. It's also undercut where he is a lot. Yeah. But it has, let's be clear, that relentlessness has absolutely been one of the factors that's gotten him where he is. Yeah. You go all the way back to the, uh, that relentlessness is what, you know, got him to buy the company from his dad in the 80s. To, and to, to buy up everyone else's company. To buy companies. up all buy the up, territories. To run everyone out of their of business. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Bought out WCW. So it's 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 an interesting thing. That's why I separate what happens on the shows versus what's happening on a corporate level behind the scenes. He absolutely is a tycoon and wants to run the world. Uh, he probably absolutely hates that there's somebody out there doing anything at all just remotely well like AEW is doing, much less excelling at it. Um, and uh, is out there, you know, acting as competition for him. I bet he just hates that. It just has to eat at him because he's that type. He's that kind of individual that needs to be the king, right? And I think that perpetuates in the way that he books sometimes. And uh, who was that said? I think Jay just said it here in the chat. I think the issue is he gets high on a talent and two weeks later ends the push because he changes yep. his mind and complete that completely kills the momentum. And that's I actually responded to Jay in the chat. I said, you know, that's because he's got a you know he's got so many yeah. shiny new toys he can do that. He can discard toys like oh well, Ricochet's not really working out the way I wanted him to. Let's let's what else do we have? What else? Oh, uh, Apollo Cruz. Yeah, know? let's let's do Apollo now. Let's try. Okay, Apollo Cruz. We'll try yeah, Apollo yeah. Cruz. Yeah, Humberto Carrillo is not really doing it for me. What else we got? We got Angel Garza. Oh, he Angel looks great. Garza. Yeah, let's use him. Yeah, yeah. put it with Zelina Vega. Yeah, and him and Andrade be a thing. Yeah, that. Yeah, so it's it, it is definitely a matter of short attention span yeah. as well. Definitely. Thank you very much, Kyle. That's a that's a really good one. Good it seems to be good thought process there. I, I appreciate yeah. and respect that one. That was really good. Uh, next up, uh, Jonathan asks: uh, Is WWE not going to acknowledge Otis as Money in the Bank winner anymore? Can't even remember the last time we've seen Otis holding the briefcase. He came out with it last night. Came out this week. This uh, week, but they did out. not announce him as Mr. Money in the Bank, which was no. He an just has it. Thing. He's just got it. Has WWE decided to pull back on him? What are your thoughts mm. of when, what show, and who he should cash in on? And more importantly, do you think it will be a successful cash in? I think it will be a successful cash in. I think it won't be for a while, because you've got Braun Strowman and the Fiend battling over this yep. right now. And that is the wrong, I think, place for Otis to dip his head in right now. It's, he's much better off going into this, you know, Mandy and Sonya feud with Miz and Morrison. Like, great. Keep him busy. Keep him doing something. Remind us every once in a while he's got the briefcase. But again, Mr. Money, like Seth Rollins held it all year till the next year's WrestleMania. You don't have to cash in right away. Yeah. There's been a lot of very quick cash-ins over the last few years. You can, they can absolutely just remind us every once in a while he's got the briefcase. And one of the best things is if we kind of forget that he has the briefcase and then sometime around December, he just pops out with it and steals it from whoever's got the championship at the time. That's exciting. That's fun. Oh my God, that's right. He's, that's right. He's Mr. Money in the Bank. So the way or where I sit with it is whether or not they, like the only way it would be a bad thing is if they just, you know, dropped it and just forgot, like they, they forgot. Yeah. Right, that'd if be the worst never, thing. It'd be worse be than worst. him going in and cashing in and losing it. So apparently they did right. announce it last night. Thank you, chat, for correcting me on that. My bad. I, I, I didn't remember brief. them doing that. 
Yeah. Um, I think when, it, when he won it back in June, I speculated that he wouldn't use it for a singles title. He might use it to cash in for the uh, for the tag titles, for an opportunity for Heavy Machinery to, to do that. Or could he cash it in for Mandy to get an opportunity at the Women's Championship? Well, that would be a stretch. It would be a reach, but I could see them trying to do something unique with it uh, for once. You know? I, I, I worry because... That's one of those angles where everyone's going to start screaming, but you know, but the rules, but you know, but kayfabe, but you're just you're just arbitrarily making stuff up now, which is something that WWE does a lot, and they get criticized for. Like you're just, but it is their world. So as long as they explain it, oh, Otis negotiated the contract be changed to this. Okay, that's literally all. You, like one sentence. But the language Otis, is be able to cash it in for a championship opportunity it does not specify oh, i don't believe read, oh you've read the contract Nick? well yeah. you've actually read the yeah okay exactly there's no one's actually read this contract they can arbitrarily say what it is as long as they say what they're doing as long as they make it clear and it literally takes one sentence to do that and we 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 come down on ww all the time for this is literally you could have explained xyz with one sentence just to and then no one would have said a damn thing yep why did why did the match get called when Oscar attacked Bailey, even though Bailey wasn't involved in the match? One sentence about why that was. Like you could have just said, uh, you know, oh well, uh, Bailey because she's a champion. Uh, if champions are ringside, they had to stop the match to attend her. Whatever, whatever sure. stupid reason they wanted to make up with, right? It's their world. Make up a line. Don't just arbitrarily have it happen and expect this to be like, oh well, that's just how things are. We're we're buying into your world of laws and rules. And you can make up those rules and laws as long as they have some sort of logical follow-through. We're going to go with it, right? It's the same thing as any movie or any TV show. Have a, ba- have a backstage segment where uh, Otis and Mandy are seen going into Vince's office yeah. with the briefcase. And then it's, oh, mystery, what's going on here? And then all of a sudden at the end of the show, runs out and cashes it in. Like, you can explain you can- your way around anything. Just explain it, please. Yeah. Don't just let they, it happen. They, they made sense and sensibility and vampires. Yes. That's literally a book. They put vampires in Sense and Sensibility. You could put aliens in Wuthering Heights. And if you explained it well, people would go along with you. You just have to explain it. You can do whatever outlandish crap you want as long as you explain it. And that's the thing with with the WWE TV here is like they could do whatever they want with Otis's briefcase as long as they explain it. I, I, have, like, I have I, a hunch no. Fiend is taking the belt back off of Braun at SummerSlam. I think there's a possibility we might be seeing a Big E opportunity after that. Uh, and then who knows? I, I think there's a lot of opportunities here but between now and the end of the year for Otis to cash in. But I agree, now is not the time. Conversely, just to counter Nick booking, I think that oh, that Braun is retaining against the Fiend. He's the first guy who's gonna be able to stand up against the Fiend, and I think Biggie's going for the Intercontinental Title. Just to be clear about where our booking ideas are, Mister Howell, so that you don't come along later and go, "That was my idea all along." Nick booking strikes again. It was right one more time. Yeah, yeah. Just saying, don't give me you that think look. Braun's retaining against the Fiend. I do. The way that they built him up this week, I do. That's the story they're telling. All right. All right. I can't wait to see Market. the points on that one. Mm-hmm. That's going to be good. Uh, if you haven't yet, sign up for Patreon because the patron pickums are going to be fire because uh, we have no idea what the show's going to be at this point. We're two weeks out. <laughs> I like Kyle's booking over in the chat. Otis cashes in on Evie. Evie! 
Yeah, that'd be great. That would be good. Just comes running down. Eva. You just hear, hear weights clanging over the the PA. Just <laughs> here comes big old Otis running down. Can you imagine Otis trying to survive on a Japanese diet? Oh God! <laughs> He'd turn into Drake Maverick in two weeks. Just look oh. deflated. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Jonathan. Uh, next up, Billy says, "Good afternoon, guys and gals. Last week we had a question about reuses." Reuses? Reuses. Yeah. So for this week, reuse the NWO. Pick a tag team that makes sense to invade another company as the Outsiders. And a big company guy to be the Hogan of the group. Easy answer is Tamatanga and Tongaloa invade we uh invade week with Roman Reigns joining. Obviously these will never happen, but I'm curious who you choose. Stay phenomenal, my people. Ooh, that's really good, yeah. man. You can't, Billy. You can't. You can't ask us what a really good booking decision is, and then make the best one. Yeah, I don't know about Gorillas <laughs> of Destiny coming over to WWE. Oh come on, this is outside of that kind of reality. Yeah, I'm saying like if the, if they were, I I love that idea. I love that idea. Tama Tonga Tongaloa invading WWE. Roman turns heel and joins them like the Hogan, and they just come in and start wrecking the place. I love that idea. <laughs> I I really do. The only other one I would and maybe like that's how you reintroduce Jacked Roman Reigns without his uh, his vest. Yeah, his tactical I'm, vest. I'm so sold on that. I also like if you're going to do New Japan invades WWE. I like uh, obviously that's not going to work with storyline right now. But Evil and Sonata coming over and joining Nakamura uh, and forming a really awesome heel stable and taking over. Oh yeah, just to build the Samoan faction. Oh man. <laughs> Oh, that would be good. Oh, man. I'm trying to think who else would be. Because you're never going to have something with the impact of a Hall and Nash. I don't know. Uh, I would love to see uh, Undisputed Era unless, go over to AEW. Well, you'd have to, you'd have to look at something. Like, to get it apples for apples, it would be like if like you've already got Moxley... So this wouldn't entirely work in terms of the timing of it. Actually, no, it would. If Moxley was the Hogan, yeah, and Seth and Roman came over to AEW, and they that that would be the the equivalent of an NWO because both Hall and Nash were enormous figures in WWE at the time. Yeah, like Nash was a champion. So for him to come over to WCW was a big deal, and then come over the way that they did, and then to join up with Hogan. Would not, I mean, obviously, the with Moxley, it would be a pre-existing faction, so it wouldn't be like Hogan, where it was a big surprise, that you know, big surprise that Hogan joined them. But I'm just thinking about someone who's like one of the biggest deals in AEW right now. Um, you know, a Cody would join them, something like that's someone what I who's, was thinking was was yeah, like a so think of like an undisputed era or something goes over. Um, I don't would Adam Cole but, be but big enough? Era in, would be. They would be too small fries in WWE. Like if you want to, if you want to pick the equivalents of like a Hall and Nash, you've sure. got to look at people up up high on the card. Sure. Yeah, that's a good you know. point. Good point. So, and right now, given where he is right now, like a Seth Rollins or a Kevin Owens would be kind of the equivalent of like a Hall or Nash. Yeah, that, going to that's, that is, that's just not. Gonna and happen. that would blow up. Yeah, it would. Like we were we were saying, Rey Mysterio going to AEW would be such a coup. For them, and they're already starting to get their their numbers up more and more every week. Um, if they grab somebody on that level, if they pull in their version of the outsiders, 
the way that WCW did. Um, if they pull in an enormous couple of WWE talents, like the revival, I, uh, no, because the revival were not that big of a deal in WWE. They were con- they were considered very highly by the fans, but I wouldn't say that they were. They're not channel changers in the same way. True. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, Seth, uh, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens both go to AEW. People are turning that damn channel and going, what What are they up to over there? You know what I mean? That would be that. And then linking up with someone who's already there like a Moxley or like a Cody who would be like the Hogan figure. Um, you know, that would, that would be the new NWO. Yeah. But I'm just looking at it realistically now. You know, we were saying, well, wouldn't it be fun if this happened? And you were like, oh, there's no way the Gorillas Destiny will come to WWE. Well, no, realistically... Um, if enough money were there, or if you know, there, I, I think Seth is WWE till he dies. Sure. Like he's just, we, you've seen on Twitter the way he talks about WWE. Like he's, I think he's drank the Kool Aid. Yep. Um, Kevin Owens, I'm not so sure about. It. I think he's comfortable at WWE. But you know, if someone on that level, enough money gets thrown to them, they start feeling like an opportunity's there. Uh, Gallows and Anderson were talking about having AJ trying to get AJ to impact. AJ's like, yeah, never say never, but I want to end my career with WWE. You know what I mean? And as pissed off as he was at WWE about how that everything went down with Gallows and Anderson, he's still like, yeah, I'm pissed off, but now they're giving me everything I want. They may be Intercontinental Champion. I'm getting to work, you know, select dates. I'm getting paid a ton of money, and I may be able to retire The Undertaker. I'm going to go to Impact? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> we all laugh. Oh, and I'm making you. thousands of dollars a month hanging out talking to people about wrestling on Twitch. Yeah, right. he ain't going anywhere. Uh, also, I saw in the chat people were looking for the uh, the Patreon link. We cannot put links in the chat. Sadly, it's just that's just Twitch, but it is uh, patreon.com forward slash BWO. If you want to head over to Patreon. Oh, is that what got you uh, moderated? Did you put a link in the chat? Yeah, that's what got me moderated. I put a link in the chat. I didn't know you couldn't do that. Oh. I, I'm, I'm an old man. I'm throwing sandals at people from my porch. Well, I don't, I need I don't to make know you nothing a about moderator Twitch. so that you don't get... Done again. So well, let's not do that now. We've we've got questions yeah. to answer here. Yeah. So there you go, Billy. That's uh that is our answer for the NWO. Yeah, I was, I was randomly thinking about Kevin Owens doing a New Japan run as well, a current in his current form. I think that would be really good. Pulling a Moxley and going over there and doing a a, a G one or something like that. Man, that would be very odd after how WWE he's gotten. Yeah, yeah, it's very weird. Mm. We bring back Kevin Steen. Oof. You think? Oof. Last time he was in Japan, uh, Finn Balor beat him, as I recall. Was that 2013 Devitt time frame? No, this was in NXT. Uh, Remember, the Beast of the East. Or was it Beast of the East? Beast of the East, that's right. Was it Beast of the East? No, it was an NXT um, takeover, and they did it in Japan. Hmm. Was it Beast of the East? I don't know. I'll have to go back and look. But yes, it was was Kevin Owens and Finn Balor uh, going back to Japan. And Finn Balor just got, everyone was loving it. Nice. So. Kind of a cool moment. Nice. Thank you, Billy. Good question. Uh, next up, Xander asks, Hey, fellas, if you were a wrestler and had the chance to debut in a singles match, losing but with a credible match that still gets you over, think Cena debuts against Kurt, who would it be? Has to be a current... Who would you want your singles to butt? Yep. Who would you want to mm-hmm. debut against? Has to be a current wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he says, P.S. Sorry if my Twitter tagging got you a negative reception. That was not my intent. Uh, are you talking about the one, like we did, the one where you tag Ziggy? We there was no response to that. We didn't. I didn't. I don't. 
I don't. Think I, there's any I, haven't, who, I haven't seen any. You're good, Xander. I, you know, good. do do your thing, man. Thank you very much for shouting out the show. That's yeah. I, I have, there's awesome. no negative reception as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> there's no so, thing. It's all. Positive. I love when you guys shepherd people over to the show. It's it's fantastic. Please, please, uh, please yeah. do that. Bring bring them to us. Uh, so who do you um, want to debut against? If you're a singles uh, up and comer, you're a creator wrestler, <laughs> and you're doing your debut. Who do you want that to be, but you still end up being book strong at the end of the I match? I mean, my my logic would be the best thing you can do is debut against a champion and lose. Yeah. Is a champion. They're a champion for a reason. You know, the Cody Open Challenge is a great that's that's why those open challenges are always great for champions and for the people that are coming in, because the champion gets to retain and look like a champion, and the new person gets to show off what they can do, and it doesn't look that bad when they lose because they're losing to a champion. So you come in and have a legit if you come in and have a legit match and look good, look like you can handle yourself against a Drew McIntyre, a Cody, a John Moxley, um, an Evil, and anybody who's holding a belt right now, right? Um, a significant belt. I don't know if I would count. Um, I mean, like AJ Styles. What do they do with Matt Riddle? Perfect. First thing he does has Matt goes against AJ Styles and wins. Boom. Those are that's that's two massive rockets strapped to his back. Yeah. Um, one to each of his bare feet. <laughs> He's flying along. He's like he's 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 water skiing with rockets. So it's yeah. I would I would say you know an easy answer to that would be like oh John Moxley debut against John Moxley, you know and toe to toe him. If you can toe to toe him, if you get some offense off even a little bit, and at the end like if you you know if you are like quote unquote earn their respect in the match, which is what Cody's been doing. Everyone who he's fought has quote earned his respect. Yeah. Right. He's gotten over pretty much everyone he's worked with. So, yeah, I mean, look at look at Warhorse, look at Eddie Kingston, look at uh, Sonny Kiss. So it's yeah, I I would say that's that's the blueprint right there. Yeah, Co- Cody's um, a hard one to not choose. Looking across, looking across current the current landscape as he has to be a current wrestler. So yeah, if I'm looking across everything right now, it's Cody. Anybody, anybody who looks or feels legitimate, I would say, would be a good answer too. Like anybody who look like isn't a champion but carries themselves like a champion, yeah. um, a Bobby Lashley, you know, or a Cage, or someone who you could see being a champion tomorrow. Anybody who like legitimately like a Charlotte, even if she doesn't have the belt, yeah, right. She always carries herself like a champ. So you you have a match against Charlotte, even if you lose. Look at Mia Yim. Right, and I think that was when Charlotte was was champ. But still, you know, even in even if you don't beat her, you still were in the ring with Charlotte. True. So, if they're not a champ, if they carry themselves like a champ, I would say would be another good one. Yeah. So there you go. Andy says I mean, Nick Aldis. That's a good one. Nick Aldis. Well, Nick Aldis is a guy who is a champ because he carries himself like a champ. Yep. Right. He doesn't even need. He's like Charlotte. He doesn't even need a title. He just they. He just you don't he know one if he's day a champ or not. Corner. Yeah, he because remember remember him as Magnus. Yeah, like that guy woke up one morning and was like, "I'm gonna start carrying myself like a champ," and that's what pretty much what. And then he became a champ, and it legitimized that. And they both, you know, the two things legitimized each other. Um, but think about Kurt, right? Kurt and Cena. Kurt was a multiple time champion, carried himself like a champion. At the time, he was being kind of vicious, Kurt. Yeah. So he was dangerous, and Cena got in there and punched him in the face. Right, so Cena's debut was against a guy who was considered legitimate, and he was an ass kicker. And Cena got in there and got right up in his face. So 
Really good. Yeah. That might go down as one of the best debuts of all time. Uh, one of the more memorable ones, but it's because it's Cena as well. You know, True. Because it was Cena. We think back on his day. And now that we but know, now, well, now that we know the story and the history behind it, it was it was kind of a failure. Uh, the, his right. debut, That's right? The irony, Until right. the whole rapping thing and thug thugonomics and all that stuff started yep. a year or so later. Yeah. Well, it's certainly a lot of a cleaner debut than, like, say, a Daniel Bryan. They don't like to go back and talk about the Daniel Bryan debut, not so much. Uh, Kevin Owens coming out as as NXT champion, challenging John Cena in the Open Challenge. I thought that was sure. one of my that's one of my more memorable debuts is uh is Kevin Owens coming out. And that's honestly that's what really put my eyes big thing about Kevin Owens' debut. Gets his nose broken by Juice Robinson in a match back before he was Juice Robinson and then goes on to powerbomb his best friend after his best friend finally wins the championship that he's been trying to get for years. Apron power that's bombs a, him right away. That's a day butt. <laughs> that's a day butt right yeah, there. It is. Yeah, it is. If you don't if you don't fight a champ, at least you kill a champ. That's how you debut. Oh man! Uh, so thank you, Jan Xander. That was uh, that was a really much, good Xander. one. Appreciate it. Let bro. me refresh yeah. one more time here. See if anybody else snuck in. Uh, oh, we got one more. James Taylor. Mm. <laughs> not acoustic guitar. James Taylor. Our, our no, no, James no. Taylor. No, he's this, this. No, he's not seen Fire and Rain. He is. Winter, he's, spring, summer. Okay, fall. come on. Right. Let him go. I'm sure he's got enough of that in real right, life. Sure. You don't need to come on. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Poor guy. Good Sorry, he James. says, good afternoon, mi compadres. Uh, I hope all is doing well with you and your loved ones. Thank you, sir. Everything's going great Thank over you. here. Uh, my question this week is about, quote, go away heat, or mm. what fans used to refer to as X-Pac heat. X-Pac heat. <laughs> Some older wrestlers and promoters, a.k.a. Kevin Nash, Vince, Russo, or McMahon, whichever, and Pritchard insist that there is no such thing as go away heat. And that it is all good heat because it makes a fan hate a heel. However, fans and other wrestlers know that there are certain wrestlers that just instinctively make you turn the channel, and that is never a good thing. Do you think go-away heat is real? Yes. And why do yes. some promoters have such a hard time recognizing it? And what wrestlers do you think have gone away have go-away heat past or present? King Corbin is too easy an answer. P.S. I apologize for all the mistakes. I literally just woke up. Uh, so who do you think? <laughs> good morning. Good morning. Welcome. Uh, it, what wrestlers do you think? Obviously, I believe that there is such a thing as go away heat. Hundred percent, there's go away heat. Hundred percent, there's go away heat. So with that um, said, what wrestlers do you think have go away heat or have had go away heat past or present? Well, let's put it this way. Um, I think that one of the reasons why a lot of the old school guys don't believe in go away heat is because as long as you're able to sell a ticket to the event. No one's giving you enough go-away heat for you to actually go away. Right. The problem is is that go-away heat actually refers to the wrestler. We want the wrestler to go away. We don't want to go away. We want the wrestler to go away. And if they're not going to leave, we're going to leave. And the problem is, is as wrestling TV shows and as wrestling matches become more bite-sized, you can watch one match on YouTube. You can watch a piece of a match. You can watch the match get broken down. And people don't have to go to your events. You can look at the house show numbers for WWE over the last few years to see how those have cratered. You can look at their ratings and how those have been on a steady decline for the last 20 years, uh, partially because of that's just TV in general. Everyone's moving to streaming and so forth. But it's also ac across the board. They have never had as few eyes on them and have never made as much money. 
for WWE. So at some point, that that is an unsustainable. Thing yeah, those right scales there. are tipping too far. In, <laughs> over, it, like the, the the ship's gonna list over and capsize at some point. Yeah, there is a there is a tension between how much money you're making and how little people are watching. At some point, a rubber band's gonna snap and it's gonna sting. Yeah. Um, but that being said. You know, now people have more of an ability to pick and choose what they want to watch. Um, and Corbin's brought up because a lot of people just don't want to watch Corbin. They rub, he rubs people the wrong way, which classically speaking would have been what you want a heel to do. You want people to piss, you want a heel to piss people off enough that you want to see them get their ass kicked. But a combination of the schedule and how often we see these heels on TV um, and the overexposure of them. And the fact that we have other options now than to watch this guy over and over and over again, uh, that's something that they have to be really careful about. Because if they don't believe that that's there, that that's happening, this, this trend is going to continue. It's going to continue to happen. They're going to continue to hemorrhage viewers and fans because their whole company is getting go-away heat. And that's something that we've talked about before, Nick, yeah. is there's a big difference between a wrestler who has X-Pac heat. Like, we don't want to watch you heat right go away we don't even care if you wrestle or not we don't care if you get your ass beat we just don't want to see you there's a difference between that and heat on the company for booking that person people don't hate roman reigns they hate the way the company booked them and that heat goes on to the company and when the company gets go away heat then you really see those numbers come down and it's not like again I, i mentioned having the heel on tv all the time you used to be able to build up for weeks and weeks and months and months to a big show, right? And, and, like, and you'd, you'd say, okay, well, down at the Civic Center this Sunday, you're finally going to see that rat bastard Ric Flair get his ass kicked by Dusty Rhodes, son of a plumber. He's finally going to get his back after all the things Ric Flair's done to him. And you're going to be like, that bastard Ric Flair, I can't stand him, but I can't wait to see him get his ass beat finally. I haven't seen it no. every week. We don't see Ric Flair three times a week or two times a week. Right, we see him maybe once a week, maybe, maybe less. Maybe you saw him once a month to build up for this. You just hear about the th- right. It's not as in your face as ubiquitous as it is now. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of factors, honestly. If I was really to, fu- to, to put a, a a fork in it, I think there's a lot of factors these days that have made go away heat a bit of a different animal than what these older guys are perceiving as what we th- were saying it is, if that makes sense. I think it's mutated. And what it is now is something that they're not wrapping their minds around. And I think it's something that might bite them in the ass. There's, it's that and the thing that I, I, I want to call back to is what you mentioned with the, we've got social media now. And that has exposed, it pulled the curtain back and we get to see how the sausage is made more than ever. And I think that has exposed a level of the business that used to do things like, you know, we, we would be surprised at certain things or certain wrestlers or certain things they would say. We just were overexposed at this point, and it has muddied the waters in between what is go-away heat with a particular individual, like you said, or with the company and the way that they're handling booking or just decisions in general with how they're handling people. Uh, most of my disdain is for the latter, not the former. I don't have, a, I don't know of a particular wrestler right now or superstar in general that has go away heat. I can remember there were times when both Stephanie and Shane McMahon have had 
go away heat. Sure. Uh, early, early Roman Reigns post Shield. Uh, he was getting so, that that crazy push, and there was a lot of. But he worked that, and I, I'm I'm okay with that. You know what it's like? It's like chicken nuggets. When you're young, and like your mom gives you chicken nuggets like two or three times a week, yeah. And like just it's a certain point you're like, man, I'm sick of chicken nuggets. I wish I could have something else. Um, and your mom goes, no, you're having chicken nuggets. That's what you're having. Tough. And you go, I just, I really don't feel like chicken nuggets. I'm sorry. I've had so many chicken nuggets. I'm done with chicken nuggets. Yeah. And she goes, tough. That's what you're having. You don't, you want the chicken nuggets to go away. But you're not really mad at chicken nuggets. Yeah. You like chicken nuggets. You just had a, maybe a little bit too much chicken nuggets or they're just, it's just not what you want right now. But your mom is saying, no, you're having chicken nuggets. And at a certain point, you're not going to be mad at the chicken nuggets. You're going to be mad at mom. Yeah. And that's what ultimately I think is going to happen with WWE. It's what has been happening with WWE. For the last five years, frankly. They've been giving us a f- chicken nuggets a few many, t- few too many times. And we're sick of sh- Like, okay, Shane's back on TV again. I don't want Shane again. I've had Shane. I like Shane. I'm just, I'm done with Shane. You're one of the few. No, I'm saying, well, that like find, me someone who doesn't, find me someone who doesn't think Shane is a talent. You know what I mean? And I think Shane is definitely, like, people are sick of Shane. But again, I think that it's like some people get sick of chicken nuggets to the point where they can't stand the, the thought of chicken nuggets. Yeah, not me. I love chicken nuggets. Well, that's my point. Yeah. Is that some people like they'll never get sick of chicken. I, nuggets. I love, they'll never get I sick love of wrestling. Shame. I watch all of it. I, I love. Well, all my of it. point is, is some people have more of a tolerance for chicken nuggets and and overeating of chicken nuggets than others. Yeah. Right. I still look at Shane and go, that guy's a talent. I like seeing him on TV. I just don't need him pushed as much as he was and in the way that he was. The last time he was on TV. It was a little much. I, I got sick of Shane for a while. I had chicken nuggets one too many times. WWE forced me to have chicken nuggets one too many times. Chats, and they didn't, even, they didn't even give me a good sauce to go with. Right. Chat's talking a lot about King Corbin, or Baron Corbin in general, and his sure. run over the last few years. Uh, he's evolved. So uh, weigh in. What's your take on King Corbin past, present, future? Um, as far as... Because there was a time where you could argue that he had some go-away heat. But he, he's he still evolved. Has he has. Um, and I, but I think that that same heat has kind of trailed around him and followed him. I know people that he gets on TV and they just they turn the whole show off. Like they can't, oh God, it's, it's a Corbin match. I'm done. I'm out. Wow. And I don't blame him. I don't blame him. Like I can see why he would create that response in people. Yeah. Um, and part of that is WWE's booking and part of that is just his demeanor and his character. I think King Corbin is... I think he's a really good heel. I do. I think he's a very viable heel, and you can put any babyface against him, and automatically you're going to want to root for the babyface more. Kind of like what they were doing with Miz for a while there. The unfortunate thing is he does rub a lot of people the wrong way, and that's that's dangerous. Do you think that's his smarminess or the way he talks, or he does have a unique style of delivery and things like that? That's one way to put it. That's a very nice way of putting that. Yeah. Yes, he's a very. I know, I know very the weird hair in the beginning was a thing. Uh, he was coming out as sort. Of, I I actually liked the hair, if I'm being honest. But um, I he was coming out as this kind of biker looking dude. In it's a, in a funny weird way. because I I'm sitting here watching his matches and saying he's a he. His problem is almost that he's too clean of a worker. He's okay. an extremely talented, extremely safe worker. He's a very smart worker. Unfortunately, he's not exciting. He's an evil. He's basically like a Seamus 2.0, where he, you know the only thing Seamus had going for him was that he was just really hard hitting and brutal, yeah. and that maybe eventually got better and better about it. And now I look forward to Seamus matches because I know someone's going to get beat up. 
But Corbin is so smooth and so safe, he's kind of sanitized a little bit. And in yeah. combination with having kind of this smarmy heel character, I totally get why he drives people the, the wrong way, rubs people the wrong way, drives them nuts, and makes them not want to watch him. I do kind of get that. But I don't think it's from lack of talent, and I don't think it's from lack of ability, and I do think that in a lot of ways, he's a classic heel. Um, and it, it's funny, because the similar thing with X-Pac, where he's really talented. He was really talented. It's just something about him just... Yeah, rub people the wrong way and it's that ineffable thing that inescapable thing that you don't know if someone has it or not it's like star power right it's yeah. it's when that person gets in the ring and you go ooh who's that it's just one of those intangibles that sometimes you just don't have a control over and the audience just turns on you and it's really that's that's the thing I gotta tell to everybody is like if you've got that go away heat for someone like Corbin um, like like what I have with Tai Chi Right, I can't stand Tai Chi. I can't. I've got go away heat with Tai Chi. I can't stand watching him. I want to turn off Tai Chi matches. The problem is, there's the other half of me that looks at him and goes, "God damn it, the guy's really good. He's actually really good." Yep. And it it makes me nuts because yeah. I want I want to have go away heat for him, but it's easier to have go away heat for somebody who doesn't have appreciable talents, and you have go away for heat, heat for them because they're just not good even at their job when their job is to piss you off. You have to respect that he knocked out Tanahashi out of the cup. I don't have to respect a goddamn thing. (laughs) But but he did. Okay. My point being is that I think Corbin is extremely talented and a very good worker. I get why people hate him. um, But it might not be his fault and it might not be something that he can change. And he's he's like, I'm just going to push through. I'm just going to keep doing what I do. I don't care. I have to just be who I am, be what I am. But I like how he's continued to evolve. That's the point I was trying to drive home. Like a lot of, I think a lot of people still don't like the original Baron Corbin. And I'm looking at the evolution of into Constable Corbin and becoming a little like corporate Corbin, yeah. right? Uh, acting Wait, general manager Constable Wait, Corbin. Waiter at Applebee's Corbin, yeah. Sure. And then now we, King of the Ring Corbin. And, and I like this sort of vicious Terminator element of king corbin that we have going on right now i love king corbin because it's so freaking ridiculous it is he's wearing a stupid crown and a stupid like like furry coat uh, cape around and people make fun of him for it like you're not a real king i would i would take that cape (laughs) crown and scepter with me everywhere i went i would live the gimmick but as also what's great about him is he doesn't have a problem being a character that sometimes people get one-upped on. Like he gets he gets one-upped on often yeah. and gets made a fool of. And and people stick around like that's something that people like when you still like it. Right? Like you that's the point of his character is when he gets his comeuppance, you go, <laughs> Yeah, you got made a fool of. Yep. You know, like I, I get it. It's just it's <sighs> Corbin's a tough one. Corbin's a really tough one because I don't think he should be legit hated as much as he is. But at the same time, like that is his purpose is to be hated. Yeah. And it's just the fact that it slipped into um to actual go away heat straight for him. And they're not mad at WWE for how they book Corbin. People are mad at Corbin. And while I understand it, I think it's a bit of a shame too. Yeah. I agree. Kyle says he's like O'Doyle from Billy Madison. O'Doyle rules! <laughs> uh, if Corbin showed up in a station wagon with, you know, and slipping on banana peels and stuff like that, just... Uh, 
Marshall, you think he'd be a perfect champion right now? I do, but it feels like he's treading water, and he feels like he doesn't have a purpose. And I think that's the problem why the King of the Ring thing for him hasn't gone over so well because that is his thing. It's but, like it doesn't accelerate his his rise in any way. They've done a good job of making him the upper upper mid card gatekeeper, right? Where he's the guy who's just always stirring the upper mid card pot. Sure, he's always and and to, for better or for worse, he's always there, but he's the shit stirrer. And they've they've billed him and they've they've uh, booked him as having enough power backstage or enough money or whatever it is, you know, he's the king or whatever it actually is that he can get shit done and he can sick someone like Gable on you or he can, you know, there's some feuds he can win. He's got some cachet. So I don't know. I I think compared to if I was gonna if I was gonna look at a lot of things that are quote quote wrong with WWE or things that they're doing wrong, I don't know that Corbin would be one of them. If they had just had him in a straight-up one-on-one singles feud with Matt Riddle, I would have said that was a bad idea because that would have, that's been too much like what we've seen time and time again. But this current like bounty on Matt Riddle's head, I think is a perfect way to use him. So I'm just, I'm just curious what they're, where they're going next with it. Yeah, me too. Uh, that's it. That's all our questions for today, yeah. guys. Uh, thank again. Apologies should have had for the Corbin beat Goldberg at Mania. <laughs> you know what? That's 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 hilarious. It's, I'm not yeah, mad at that though. I, I'm not really upset about that. I think that might have been better. Not mad at that. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much, guys, for tuning in today. Sorry for the technical glitches. Uh, <laughs> With, with condolences to retribution they're they're apparently uh pulling things pulling strings Sons on even on us uh so they knew we were going live they saw they got their notifications as well and you know uh, i didn't see them come in because they were so short nice hey 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 i'm just saying ww loves short jokes they're all over the place why not we're calling adam cole short we're calling gable short <laughs> shorty exactly. retribution Thank you guys so much for tuning in for Patron Mailbag today and all of you for hanging out with us as our big show today as we went over AEW, NXT, and SmackDown. Make sure you head over to BWOPodcast.com. Clicky all the links for all of our social medias at BWOPodcast on Twitter and Instagram. Join us in the Facebook group and most importantly, get into our Discord community where we have live chats going on all throughout the week. All kinds of good stuff. We're going to have live chat, uh, dedicated channel for uh, SummerSlam, plus our Patron Pick'em Challenge. So if you'd like to get in on that, head over to patreon.com slash BWO. Sign up for just that $5 tier uh, to get into the Patron Pick'ems and ask your questions every single week, or we get a whole back catalog of bonus episodes uh, to get into if yeah. you want to go up to the $10 tier. Skype calls, all kinds of good stuff over at patreon.com slash BWO. Also, make sure you're subscribed over on the YouTube channel. Uh, we do BWO daily every single day, Monday through Friday. Uh, yes. Always a good time doing those for your quick little newsy updates every single day of yeah. the week. On the tubes of you or the boobs yes. of two. Either way. The tubes of you. But my name is Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But my God! Would somebody stop the damn match? This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out, orbitaljigsaw.com.